If you ever plan to motor west Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best Gonna get your kicks, honey, on Route 66 It winds from Chicago to L.A. Instead of learning how to scat sing, I was I was being taught, you know, inadvertently how to tell extremely off-color, dark jokes because I was around all the comedians my whole life. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. All of Hal March's, my stepdad Hal March, for your listeners, the uh, host of the $64,000 Question Show. He right. was also a Broadway actor. Yeah. Well, all of, all of their friends, my mom and dad's friends, were all the well-known Borscht Belt comedians of the day. And that's who was at our house for all of our dinner parties. So I'm a little boy and I'm, I'm you know... 11 years old and I'm supposed to be going to bed and it's 9 o'clock and I'm listening to my door and in the other room you know it's Buddy Hackett and Jan Murray and, and Milton Berle and Lucy wow. and Shecky Green uh, and Jack Carter and they're all trying to outdo On this episode of Playtime's Playcast, Steve March Torme joins me for music and memories about his father Mel Torme and his stepfather the great Hal March. We talk scat, swing, and Steve talks about his new Christmas song, I Remember Christmas Time. Plus, Steve shares some musical insights and thoughts about the new Peter Jackson documentary about the Beatles, Get Back. Go to L.A. More than two thousand miles along the way. Come on and get your kicks on route. I have this enduring image of Mel Torme while other kids are frolicking. Yes, I said frolicking. Uh, frolicking. Frolicking in one of those torturous 1960s era playground death traps. Uh, sitting on a park bench teaching his son, young Steve March Torme, scat. Uh, Steve Marks Torme's <laughs> latest single is I Remember Christmas Time. His website is stevemarchtorme.com. And if you're stumped on which album to start with, so far is a compilation of the best of multi instrumentalist Steve Marks Torme's. How many times can I say your, your name in one introduction? The first three <laughs> We're going to find out. And includes a duet between Steve and his father on Straighten Up and Fly Right. Uh, his father, of course, being the legendary, the Velvet Fog, Mel Torme. Steve, a little bit of fatherly advice there? You know what? It, it, that's an interesting that you have that that image in your head of dad teaching me how to scat sing. <laughs> I totally um, do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that never happened. You know, dad and I, I didn't live with my dad past the age of two and a half. Right. So I didn't grow up in that household. Um, instead of learning how to scat sing, I was, I was being taught, you know, inadvertently how to tell extremely off-color, dark jokes, because I was around all the comedians my whole life. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. All of Hal March's, my stepdad, Hal March, for your listeners, the uh, host of the $64,000 Question Show. He right. was also a Broadway actor. Yeah. Well, all of, all of their friends, my mom and dad's friends, were all the well-known Borscht Belt comedians of the day. <laughs> and that's who was at our house for all of our dinner parties. So I'm a little boy, and I'm, I'm you know, 11 years old, and I'm supposed to be going to bed, and it's nine o'clock and I'm listening to my door and in the other room, you know, it's Buddy Hackett and Jan Murray and, and Milton Berle and Lucy wow. and Shecky Green 
uh, and Jack Carter, and they're all trying to outdo each other. And the filthier it gets, the funnier it gets. So that's that's the atmosphere I was in, which was great. I mean, I was I was happy to to have that childhood. It was it was big fun. I, I got to ask him. We're we're gonna get we're gonna get more in, into growing up with Hal March and mm-hmm. uh, and some of the some of the directions you could have gone a, as a performer, and then what led you to music. But but so I really wanted to ask you this. Owing to your dad's nickname, uh, Velvet Fog, is is there a is there a style of fabric and, and a weather phenomena you'd like to be? Uh, well, well someone gave me someone did one of those. The the, the uh, plaid hurricane. Maybe? Yeah, the, you know the the the, the, <laughs> the, the, the I, I've heard the satin mist. I went, oh, okay, that's that's lovely. <laughs> um, I, my roots are, are I think too ingrained in pop music for me to have a uh, to have a nickname. But if it had to be satin mist, is kind of nice. It's got a nice kind of nice sheen to it if you will all right all right Let, let's uh, let's start with with pop music a little bit here uh you um uh over the weekend you saw get back peter jackson's well i started uh, I've, I've seen i've only seen the first hour and a half it's, that's all I've yeah, seen. It, it's 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 long yeah it's, um, i think it's like three months long isn't it uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's there believe it or not there's there's a connection uh, at, at least in the conversations that I've been having lately about that between between the Beatles and your father and and Scat, uh, we just had on a local mu- uh, musician, uh, Mark Vickery, who used the word Scat in with in, in regards to the the improvisational technique for 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 bringing or writing lyrics to hmm. to a melody. There's an art to to scat. Oh, absolutely. And it's not something that is, is easily picked up, but there seems to be a relationship there uh, from the improvisational side. And um, I, I'd love to explore that with you a little bit. Yeah. I, well, that's, that's exactly what it is. Cause people have asked me, you know, people have come to my concert and said, well, you're a pretty good scat singer. Yeah. Your dad must've shown you how to do it. I said, no, I, my dad didn't show me any of that. I said, I think it's kind of instinctive. You know, I have yeah. heard, granted, I, I've heard his recordings. I did mm-hmm. see him in concert a number of times. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I picked that up. But I didn't sit, you know, at, at, a, at a record player and go, should I It just, I heard him enough. Your your description of it is, is apt. Uh, it is improv. And when mm-hmm. I do my shows, any soloing I do, I do as a scat singer. And I know that dad learned those passages by listening to saxophone um, recordings. He would pick up, right. you know, what, what a guy was playing in Benny Goodman's band or in Tommy Dorsey's band or Bix, uh, Biderbeck. He, he was listening to whatever passage was the saxophones are playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how he learned how to scat sing. And I think Ella might have learned the same way. Uh, dad would say that Ella was the greatest scat singer of all time. And it's kind of hard to argue that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a dying it's kind of a dying art i don't hear a lot of people doing it but those that that do do it are usually pretty good at it otherwise don't try it because you're gonna embarrass yourself or you're gonna hurt yourself you're gonna hurt your tongue if miss ella fitzgerald were here tonight if the great miss ella were here at the maisonette tonight she'd sing it this way and she'd sing it oh so right rack mark when the saints go marching in. 
Blue moon, you saw me standing alone without a dream in my heart, without a love of my own, without a dream, it is a form of improv and it does allow me to since I do play piano and I do play guitar, but I'm not a good enough player on either to really, really, you know, Im improv. I'm not a Donald Fagan or a Michael McDonald. So I get to do that with my voice. And I think mm -hmm. that's what Matt did. And the reason I bring that up, uh, especially with, as I mentioned before, uh, straighten up and fly right through the. Have through you, the did you hear it? Uh, many, many times, brother. <laughs> so there, there's a comparison factor to, to Nat King Cole and, and Natalie Cole with Unforgettable. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, again, as, as you said, Scant relies so much on, on timing and improv. Uh, mm -hmm. And in Straighten Up, um, you, you're singing and scatting along with your father. And you guys, you guys are so dead on that oh you, thanks you could have been in the same room we were playing off one another yeah this was not recorded the way um you know natalie had no choice and unfortunately nat had passed away oh okay, okay. um no dad and i did that on one microphone it, you know like 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 george and paul on you know you're gonna lose that girl uh-huh uh, you know we were right there we did it uh we did one take and he said that's pretty good Stephen. let's do another one i said okay we'll, we'll do another one we did one more take he goes I'm hungry. We're going to lunch. We're done. And I was thrilled because we actually got this in two takes and it sounds pretty good. And, you know, as you, since you've heard it, it's called, it's almost like dueling scats. And towards yeah. the end, I just throw my hands up and go that, that you win. That's it. <laughs> uh, because, you know, his facility with his tongue, being able to do some of the things he did, he, he scat sang the way he played drums. You know, right, he was right. from that school of, of Louis Belson, Buddy Rich. Yeah. And yeah. really, it was an excellent drummer. You know, and there are some guys who are multi-instrumentalists who can also play drums, but, you know, they can keep time. He mm -hmm. was a legitimate drummer. I mean, he really could play. And I, yeah, I'm glad you heard that. And the thing that we did, fortunately, I didn't trip over myself. and We actually got a, a great recording out of it. I'm just so thankful because dad had his stroke not that long after that recording. And fortunately, wow. I haven't. Wow. Yeah. Wow, what 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 a what a what a great fateful moment yep. Straighten up and fly right Straighten up and stay right Straighten up and fly right Cool down Papa don't you blow your top Ain't no use in diving What's the use of jiving Straighten up and fly right Cool down Papa don't you blow your top no, 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 more like this. Okay, 
It was fortuitous that he came into the studio and did that with me because, uh, you know, I only asked him to sing with me a couple of times live. Uh, I would do a gig and say, hey, can you, we're, we're going to be at, at my place in Santa Monica. I'm doing, doing a show where you come down and sing. And I know he didn't want to every time because, uh, really, to drive <laughs> down there, see your silly show, get up for one song. And I know he got up on stage with me a couple of times when he wasn't feeling well. He had a cold or he'd be yeah. better off being in bed. And he never turned me down. And he didn't he could have said no and gotten away with an easy excuse, but he would show up. I think we did three shows together like that. And wow. you know, he brought the house down, you know, and said, yeah. I'd like to bring up somebody right now, this newcomer, this kid I'm gonna give a, sh a shot to. They they he calls himself Mel Torme. And dad would come up and ah, they were crazy. <laughs> so he was, you know, in retrospect, looking back on this, I'm really thankful that he was that kind to me. He was he was doing it early. I, I think I think the first recording of Scat was in what 1925 or 26 with uh, with Louis Armstrong, uh, Heebie Jeebies. Someone will teach you, come on and do that dance. They call the Heebie Jeebies dance. Yes, ma'am. Papa's got the Heebie Jeebies dance. So your dad, your dad picked it up. You know, I, so I guess I wanted to ask you, ask you this uh, uh, on a bit of a tangent. Since the passing earlier this month of of Betty White, there was a story that came out about her with regards to a jazz musician who was was going to appear on her show. Uh, and and we're we're talking with uh, next week. We're talking with the son of the artist uh, Tristan Meineke, who was ma married to. Uh, to a woman here, a, a performer, one of the first TV pioneers in Chicago, Angel Casey, who actually lost her show for for having black people on the show. Lost the show because of that. She lost the show because of that. Mm -hmm. But Betty White famously told network executives, get over it. She had the muscle to do that. But your father was was also well, instrumental. Well, I see where you're going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your father was also instrumental in helping to to mainstream black music and black artists. Yeah, and I think in, in large part that was because of his relationship with Nat King Cole. Uh -huh. I mean, you know, Nat didn't just sing the Christmas song. Uh, they were best men at each other's weddings. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, the obvious story of going on the road and, and you know, in a venue saying, well, you know, the white guys can stay at this hotel, but uh, Nat's going to have to stay at this hotel. And from what I understand, and, you know, to his credit, dad said, that ain't going to happen. Mm -hmm. And if he's not staying at this hotel, we're not doing the gig. Yeah, he championed black artists, black musicians getting equal opportunity. And, you know, we didn't really talk about this too much. I really found out about this a little bit afterwards. Mm -hmm. But even though dad and I had some philosophical differences about, you know, different things, whether they be politics or whatever, mm -hmm. Uh, he was he was an early champion of, of equal rights. And I think a lot of it came from not only his relationship with Nat, but, 
you know, if you're a jazz musician, you're going to be working with a lot of black musicians, period, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially back in the day. And you, you mentioned, you know, Louis, Louis Armstrong. I know that one of dad's favorite people besides Ella, who he adored, was um, Count Basie. Uh-huh. So dad was around all those great jazz cats and a lot of them were black and they spoke the same language as dad. You know, this this white Jewish kid from Chicago who had jazz instincts. So <laughs> it kind of worked out pretty well. You mentioned the Christmas song. I don't think I don't think many folks really connect your father as strongly maybe as they should with with the Christmas song, which he wrote with uh, with the great Robert Wells. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose is just a classic, classic line. You even pay homage to your father uh, in, uh, in in your song. That song is is such a classic. Your song is is a classic. It has that classic feel to it. Oh, thanks. Um, that it's easy to believe that it's really as old as Christmas itself, like your dad's song. Well, that's what we're hoping. I mean, I, I truly am. Uh, let me give you a, a quick story about the, the Christmas song. Please. So in 1945, there were a couple, this is a, this is a cool story because I tell this when I do this, this song in my show, depending on what show I'm doing. Uh-huh. Uh, in 1945 in Hollywood, there were a couple of Jewish songwriters that were getting together to do a writing session. Mm-hmm. And it was a particularly hot July day in, in Hollywood. They got together and started working for about a half an hour and one turned to the other and said, this is, this is ridiculous. Let's get in the car. Let's drive to Santa Monica and cool off and come back and work on this. Cause this is just, it's sweltering. And apparently his partner said, no, come on, we're here. And let's at least give it a go and see what we come up with. Mm-hmm. And that day in 1945, Sammy Kahn and Julie Stein wrote, let it snow, let it snow. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, dad's got his writing session scheduled with Bob Wells. It's out in the valley, in the San Fernando Valley, which is hotter than Hollywood. And apparently they scheduled it for early in the morning so they could kind of avoid the heat. Mm-hmm. So dad drove over to Bob Wells's house, I guess about 10 o'clock in the morning and walks up to the front door, knocks on the door, no answer and opens the door and walks in because in 1945 and your friends, you can do that. You could do that. Yeah. Um, and he could hear that Bob was in the shower. Now the joke I do, depending on, on if there are children in the audience or not, I see, you know, dad goes over and he sees that there's a four by five index card on the piano with four lines of lyrics on it. Uh And Bob comes out of the bathroom, out of the shower. And the first thing my dad said was, Bob, at least put a towel on. But seriously, (laughs) folks, no, but that's not really what happened. So so he said, you know, what is this? And he said, well, uh, I was, it's so hot. I was trying to come up with some cool thoughts just to cool off. And that's when he came up with chestnuts roasting on open fire. And so two weeks later, Two other Jewish songwriters end up with the Christmas song in the same summer, maybe, maybe 20, 15 to 20 miles apart. Wow. So, you know, what, what are the odds? And, and they're both classics. All through the year we waited, waited through spring and fall to hear silver bells ringing and winter time bringing the happiest season of all and I wish Judy Garland would sing the chorus in her own chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir 
dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe help to make the season bright. Tiny tots with their eyes. The song that I wrote, and, and yes, yes, you did hear an, a lyrical homage to it. Mm-hmm. And, and someone sings a Christmas song as I pass under the mistletoe with chestnuts roasting. Mm-hmm. Did you catch the musical homage at the end? I didn't. All right. And most I'm, people don't. I will so have to listen for it. If you listen to it again, there's a glockenspiel at the very end. And it goes, um, I remember Christmas time. Yes, I remember Christmas time. Da, 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 da. And then the glockenspiel goes, dum, 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 dum. Oh, wow. Most people don't hear it, but as you know, that's the melody to Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. Uh-huh. So hopefully dad somewhere in some form knows that happened and he hears it. We're talking about your song, I Remember Christmas Time, which feels more than simply a, a Christmas song. It almost feels like a musical version of leafing through a photo album where, Good call. where you're, you're reminiscing about your kids. Good call. Um, you know what? Oh, well, here's the real story because you know mm-hmm. it, I've been asked this. I've been doing interviews. People said, "So why did you wait so long to write a Christmas song?" And well, I didn't write a Christmas song. That is a song that is on an album of mine called Inside Out, and that song was called A Different Time. I lived in a different time on a cul-de-sac in a little town of friends and family. I played on a baseball field Filled with juniper and bottle caps And lifelong memories If I could go back to that place I wonder what I'd find Some fools get fooled by time and space Yes, it was a different time I sang to the radio I knew every word to every song And I remember First time that I kissed a girl It was in my life from rubber soul it is the song that is most mentioned when I do a concert. People come up afterwards, they go, oh, you know, I really love that song you wrote about your kids. What's it called? And it's called A Different Time. Well, there's a, a musician I work with here in Wisconsin, and he always loved the song. He said, you know, I, I hate admitting it, dude, but, you know, that brings tears to my eyes every time I hear that you're singing about your, your daughters. He says, but I keep hearing a different title. He says, well, instead of I lived in a different time, I keep hearing I remember Christmas time. I said, well, fine, but the song's already written. I mean, what do you want me to do? He says, well, I, I think if you change the lyrics a little bit and you change the, 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 the title, let me work on it with you a little bit, I think you can come up with a Christmas classic. He put in a couple of lyrics. I, I switched them a little bit, came up with a different title, as you can hear. And now we have what I hope will be perennially 
a a Christmas song. And you are absolutely right. It does kind of, it just lyrically kind of reads like a scrapbook of your family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's almost Norman Rockwellian. It is, it's so wholesome. Not everything that I write is, and it really is kind of right down the middle of the bowling alley for, you know, it's a family song. And it really did take place that I was in a park in Berlin, Wisconsin with my two-year-old, my four-year-old. We were the only people in there on a hot day. And I started thinking, how did I end up here? How did I end up? I was born in Manhattan. I lived in Beverly Hills for 25 years. (laughs) I lived in LA. I've been all over the world, and now I'm living in a town of 5,000 in Wisconsin. I reconciled that it was fine. It was mm-hmm. it was terrific. My kids were safe. They were laughing. They were having a great time. Yeah, I can still travel. A different time came from, but it does work that I remember Christmas time. And I do think that your perspective on Christmas time when you're eight years old, mm-hmm. obviously, is a lot different than when you're 48. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was trying to evoke that because when you're a kid... You know, on December 10th, you're going, oh, only 15 more days of Christmas. Christmas is almost here. Is Christmas almost here yet? You wake <laughs> up in the morning. You can't wait to run downstairs. Can we open our presents? Now, you know, when you're 48, it's like, so what family member do I have to see this year that, thank God, I'm not going to see again until next year? And, uh, and where I am go I going to hide the gifts for the kids if they won't find them? Thank you. <laughs> uh, oh, I can't wait to go fight the traffic at the mall. Uh-huh. So it is a different perspective. And I tried to write that song from the perspective of a young person really enjoying all the stuff that really is kind of familial and enjoyable about Christmas. I remember Christmas time was a wondrous time when we were young, a treasured memory, the sweet smell of evergreens filled with twinkling lights on winter nights with friends and family. When I go back to that place In a dream that's so sublime I see the smiles on every face And I remember Christmas time Carols sing of Christmas cheer Of the joy and hope Love we hear in children's voices And someone sings the Christmas song As I pass under the mistletoe With chestnuts roasting I'm driving down my childhood lane Past a life that once was mine family lives inside that space and I remember Christmas time Good night. You, you mentioned that you live in Appleton which is which is only you know a few hours from from Chicago where where your dad was born in in Hyde Park have you have you been down here to to sort of go and visit some of of those old stomping grounds? I have not visited. I've been through Hyde Park. I've not okay. really visited his old stomping grounds. I've been down there to perform. Okay. I, I've played a couple of the... I played the Toulouse Cognac Bar before it went under. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's a place called Andy's, which is in town, which yeah. is a great yeah. place. I played there. 
I played the the Green Mill. I played there, yeah. and and mm-hmm. we did um, we, we did a, a jazz festival down there years ago. Can't think of who the um, who the mayor I was. Saw Didn't your dad at the, at the jazz festival here in uh, in Grant Park many years ago. I, I used to live in in Lincoln Park, which is just uh, just north of, of of downtown. Well, that's uh, that's that's where Toulouse Cognac Bar was across the street from Lincoln Park. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I I would I would regularly jog through the loop and jog around Grand Park and head home after after work. And I, I jogged down there and it was uh, I don't know eight or nine o'clock at night. Uh, and your and your dad was on and and I I, I laid down in the grass and uh, just was in heaven, absolute heaven. Oh, I'll um, bet, I'll bet. Uh, you know, I've been trying. Between you, me, and the woodwork, and whoever's watching and listening to this, I've been trying to get into Ravinia for years, and I've always wanted to come and do Ravinia for obvious reasons. And I think, you know, yeah. I've got a great quartet up here that we would come down and have a great time. I've heard stories about that. People have seen Dad perform there. God, from the, you know, he started there, and I think a place that was called the the Black Hawk Diner or something like that. The yep. Black yep. Hawk Which Theater. now is a, uh, I think. I think it's the, now a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the the building is still there. It's, it's actually at a big, yeah. beautiful facade uh, down on down on, uh, on Wabash, I think, um, one thirty nine North yep. Wabash. But um, well, the circles are are crazy because you know Dad was born. He was from the Hyde Park. He went to Hyde yeah. Park High. Uh, the first time I laid eyes physically on my wife, who I've been now this year will be nineteen years, was in Chicago. I wow. lived in LA the whole time. I courted her. Yeah. She was living in Chicago. So okay. that connection's still there. I'm I was friends with Ernie Banks. Um, yeah, did, yeah. You know, passed away not that long ago. So yeah. there's there's always a connection there. And my kids like going down there. So I'll I'll be back. We've got some friends in common. Dan Davies, uh, who runs <laughs> Film Forte. We we've also been been big supporters of the arts community, particularly um Basil Ishkabibble's art gallery in Two Rivers. We've got we've got artist friends in Manitowoc where uh where oh, really? performed regularly. Oh god yeah. Well that's and, right. You know that I've got the concert coming up. You're right. You, yeah, you yeah. And yeah. uh and, and uh, uh Harold Grummer's art uh, or paper making kit company was was an advertiser for our show. It, and and they're out of they're out of Appleton as well. You guys and there's there's some great music up there. Steve Marks Torme notwithstanding, you guys are are really kind of this untold heart of of arts and culture and music in in the midwest and in wisconsin yeah i agree with you and you know my my friends in la who i'm sure are saying well who are you playing with in wisconsin are you kidding me i mean you move from la i mean there can't be any really you know jazz players in the middle of wisconsin I go, oh you are quite wrong and the reason yeah. is i think in large part because of lawrence university uh-huh. you know that's in appleton and John Harmon and his sons are out of there and they're brilliant jazz players. The drummer who I work with all the time, a guy named Mike Underwood, is a great player, as good as anybody I've ever played with. And he can play every single style. And Janet Planet. It's short of the hope we have for happiness. Bright and sweet, love is never easy street. New York night is very unlikely we'll be driven out of town. We're going to Manitowoc, a group that I have called Steam. Uh, our concert's coming up on February 3rd. 
There are a lot of very good musicians here. Now, now you know, there, there's a thing in Appleton you're probably aware of called Mile of Music. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's much more of an Americana thing. I mean, that, you know, and they get people that come from all over the country to play in it. And they don't get paid anything. I know they're not making a dime. Basically, mm-hmm. it's a feather in their cap to say, I played the Mile of Music Festival. And yeah. they, they sell their merch and hopefully you sell some T-shirts and you sell some, some CDs. But there is a fairly thriving music community here. You're absolutely right. Besides the Americana one, the guys that come in with a, with, you know, a, a guitar and sit on a stool and mm-hmm. sing about their lives, there are some very good jazzers. I mean, cats that can really play. Yeah. And I've got, I have a couple of concerts coming up. One is in Fond du Lac mm-hmm. in the summer uh, in Buttermilk Park. And it's going to be the only show I do that's at all a tribute to dad, because most of my shows really have nothing to do with him other than doing some of the songs that he has sung. Yeah called Torme Sings Torme, and it's with a dectet. And the arrangements are all written by Marty Page, who was mm-hmm, his favorite mm-hmm. arranger. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for you young kids out there, David Page's father from Toto. And and you have to really be good to play those. They're not big band charts. They're for the dectet. And they're much more bebop, and they're much more precise. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And I've got guys from here that are going to be playing them. So I'm, again, so lucky. Now, I think if I had moved to Montana, I'd be in trouble. So this worked out pretty good. <laughs> uh, and we're going to talk about that tour at the end here because you, you've got got a great date coming up in uh, in France, in Normandy. Hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. We'll cross our fingers. But that's uh, that's coming up this summer. And and uh, we'll, but we'll, we'll, we'll give people some details and uh, and we'll link to it in the notes below as, oh, great. as great. we will to uh, to your website as as well. All right. So we're going to talk Beatles. Let's talk Beatles. All right. So, uh, and, and again, nobody asked me, this is an unsolicited opinion. I've only watched the first hour and a half of mm-hmm. Get Back, mm-hmm. but we do know what album comes out of that. And we do mm-hmm. know eventually they're going to end up on the roof and they're going to do the concert. Yeah. If you're not really a Beatle fan and it's like, well, I didn't really follow them and I'm really kind of too young to really know their catalog. Mm-hmm. To me, like the first hour and a half was kind of like watching paint dry. I can see where someone would say that. They mm-hmm. don't really know their music well enough they don't really can't really even make out what they're saying sometimes because the accents are so thick mm-hmm. but if you are a fan and you do know their catalog it is interesting watching their the interplay between them trying to come up with music yeah and i really believe i don't know if you agree with me or not and i'm hardly here to criticize them but i think that the well had run dry i think it was really tough for them to come up with material for that particular mm-hmm. project. I think for, I watched the beginning of it. I think the parameters were they were supposed to come up with 14 songs and record right. an analog album with no overdubs or anything else and do yeah. it in like a month. Like, well, who, who does that? But, you know, the songs that are on that album, the songs that came out of those sessions, there are no In My Life's or Yesterday's or Here, There and Everywhere mm-hmm. or even If I Fell, because those songs all have great pretty sophisticated melodies for pop tunes Mm -hmm. i was thinking about the song if i fell today usually when you write a pop tune Mm -hmm. and you're not from the the world of gershwin or you know or sammy khan someone like that yeah you're gonna write if i fell in love with you and you promise to be true that would be the way to do that but paul Mm -hmm. was so sophisticated he didn't write if i fell in love with you would you promise to be true he wrote if I fell in love with you, would you promise to be true? If I fell in love with you, would you promise to be true? And help me understand, cause I've been in love before, and I found that love was more than just holding hands. If I give my heart to you, I must be sure from the very 
that you would love me more than her. He throws those incidentals in there and their songwriting, Eleanor Rigby, Nowhere Man, uh, You've Got to Hide Your Love Away, melodically are so imprinted in our minds, people that listen to their music, mm -hmm. that when you're watching the first hour and a half of this, you can tell they're really struggling to come up with anything because they start going back to, well, let's, let's, let's play some of the stuff we played at the cavern. Maybe this old, you know, uh, this old Marvin, not even Marvin Gaye, it was like Little Richard song, we'll do that or we'll do this. And it's mostly one, four, five, 12 bar blues stuff that they're trying to make work. And mm -hmm. at least, mm -hmm. you know, you can see Paul is like, come on, lads, let's give it, let's give it a shot. And they're <laughs> trying but you can hear that the that the the muse has kind of gone bye bye. Yeah. I think the best thing yeah. they came out with, you know, was "Let It Be," which not one of my favorite tunes of theirs. But they had a project that was almost impossible. We got to come up with all these original tunes. We can't go in and overdub strings. Yeah. We can't go in and overdub harmonies. We're putting up with the fact that even though she's not doing anything or bothering anyone, Yoko's sitting there the whole time. Well, you could have an elephant in the room that doesn't make a sound, but the elephant's still in the room, <laughs> and. You can see Ringo is kind of bored and he's kind of tired and he's playing and they're exhausted. And George, you can see it in his eyes and saying, well, why am I even here now? And I understand he walks out later on. So yeah. it was interesting to me as someone who really is a fan and loves, you know, even for the benefit of Mr. Kite or, you know, the fool on the hill, those are really sophisticated melodies that are, mm -hmm. have great turns in them. And these songs are basically kind of, you know, 12 bar blues. Let's see what we can come up with. And I found it not sad, but just kind of the realism of, you know, it's hard to keep writing great pop songs. It just is. I think one of the things that is is a little bit heartbreaking for non-musicians is you're you're watching the sausage being made and knowing or or at least learning that the, the song lyrics aren't as intentional as they are you're you're trying to fit something that makes a modicum of sense over the top of a melody. You're absolutely right. And for all those people who, who immediately go to music for heartache or, or, or a breakup or, or a sense of healing or a sense of comfort, that kind of bursts that bubble. Even oh, though, I agree with you. I agree even with though you. That really is, is at least in my experience, that's really the rule for, for music makers. Well, my wife asked me, she said, now, is that the way they usually wrote? And I said, I wasn't there, but I don't think so. No, the four of them didn't sit in a room and say, well, what do you think? And Ringo, you sit there on the drums. We'll see what we come with. I said, I think that for the most part, Paul wrote songs by himself. Mm -hmm. John wrote songs by himself. And every once in a while they would get together and Paul would say, I've got this, uh, you know, I've got this great verse, but I don't have a bridge. Can you come up with something for the bridge? And that's mm -hmm. how that would happen. Yeah. Because even, even the words to the earlier songs, just the opening to, if I fell in love with you, would you mm -hmm. promise to be true mm -hmm. and help me understand? Cause I've been in love before, but I found that love is more than just holding hands. That's a great lyric. That's a really sweet little love song. And I think that's the way they wrote. And when John would sit down and write half of what I say is meaningless, but I say it just to meet you, Julia, about his mom, Julia. Uh -huh. They're brilliant lyrics. I mean, Rocky Raccoon is a great little story yeah. about the Old West. Yeah. And you watch this process for Get Back. You're right. They're just trying to, all right, well, why don't we write this? And that'll rhyme with that and see if we can come up with a song. The personal stories aren't there for this, I don't think. There, you can there are a lot of complex threads in this. There's, there's the bet. thread of... Of, of the imminent breakup. And, and we see that 
we see that with with the the storming off of of George Harrison. There's the pressure of of the fans and public and wanting to please them. And and my my takeaway from from the film was that they were they were forcing themselves into a bit of a box in order to find that energy and that pressure to uh, to stave off the the imminent inevitable. breakup, the inevitable, and mm-hmm. and also try to find some some type of of fresh inspiration for for an audience that was demanding more and more and more of them. That's a perfect analogy. I think you nailed it. I think it's exactly what happened. And it not only had they put themselves a bit in a bit of a box musically, but yeah. literally, you could tell from the first day they didn't like being in that studio. From the first day, they're saying, "Well, the sound's kind of bouncing everywhere, and you know, it's it's too big, and you can't hear that." You know, and Paul's trying to make it work. Well, just yeah. let's just imagine that you know we're out there in a, in a big crowd. And it's it'll work out. It's going to be okay. You could tell from the beginning. It's like, well, this is the last ride. Let, mm-hmm. Let's see what we can come up with. Because, you know, if Get Back and and now I'm trying to remember, did The Long and Winding Road come out of that album? Yes, it did. All right. And a lot of that was Billy Preston's help. Yes. And yes. And I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I know he, he ends yeah. up being brought in, which was a very smart move. Mm-hmm. And I remember the beginning of it when they were saying, you know, Paul was saying, well, John, why don't you play piano on this? And, uh, and George, you play bass. Because nobody plays like Paul. Billy Preston. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and you know, Paul knew yeah, I saw this guy playing Ray Charles and he's really good and it was smart for them to bring him in. And he, and he worked well with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, they didn't call anybody else the fifth Beatle. Even Brian Epstein wasn't really the fifth Beatle. Uh-huh. Uh, so it is, it was a little sad. You're right. For people that don't know their catalog and aren't really music fans, they're watching this going, is this how they wrote their songs? Yeah. They just sat there and smoked a lot and drank beer and tried to come up with a couple of melodies. No, it's not. That's yeah. not how they yeah. wrote, yeah. you know, Mother Nature's Son. It's yeah. not how they wrote, you know, Norwegian Wood. Yeah. So it's interesting. There, there is that jam fa- factor where how, how, how many bands and, and, and music, musicians or musical groups have, have found a vibe or found a, a thread or an inspiration in, in just jamming? Yeah, yeah. And not, not all of them can. And, and yeah. one of the early moments that I thought was really interesting was when George admitted, he said, I don't play like Eric Clapton. He can just, you know, he can just riff and just go into things. I'm not that kind of a player. Yeah. And I can relate to that. I I get that because I, I have to rehearse so much when I'm playing piano and guitar to get my Mm -hmm. parts and make sure they're right. Mm -hmm. But I don't have the fluidity to, to, to jam off like that. And it was, it was a great moment because George, the stuff that he did play was really musical. Just like people yeah. who don't think Ringo was a good drummer and they're nuts. They don't have no idea what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Just because he didn't have the kind of chops that, you know, Keith Carlock with Steely Dan has or someone like that. He played figures that you go, how did he come up with that? And timing, he, he was thing spot on. Yeah. yeah. And he's admitted it. He says, because I'm left-handed, I'm playing right-handed. Yeah. He says, so I, I think backwards. And uh-huh. yeah, you're right. They came up with stuff when they were jamming. You know, you can tell. They would just start playing a couple of chords and well, this is reminiscent of something that we were working on about 15 years ago. Let's try this. Yeah. No, it's actually an F sharp minor. And it is fun to watch the process. I mean, I'm glad Peter Jackson made this film. I'm looking forward to having the time to watch it. You know, we uh, we we had Denny Lane on about a year ago, year and a half ago, maybe. And so we were talking about Band on the Run and it. It seems like, based upon what Denny was telling us, especially after they got all their state 
their their tapes stolen that Paul really liked that that improv dynamic that that group improv dynamic I I, I was talking with Martin Barr last week from from Jeff Rattal who played who played on a uh, uh, a song with uh, with Paul McCartney and he went from Ian Anderson's very strict structured structured dynamic to mm-hmm. to a loose why don't you play it and we'll see how it feels Paul McCartney dynamic. Oh, there's a lot to be said for that, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. kudos to him for, for being like that. Cause he could be the opposite. Yeah. You know, he yeah, could yeah. be, I'm Paul McCartney. You're going to do it this way. Yeah. No, you can tell he he's a great collaborator. Like, yeah. well, you know, what about this? Let's try this. Let's put a flute over here. Well, how about my dad, my stepdad, Hal, uh, when the white album came out, he was asked, he said, what do you think about it? I said, well, I like it. I mean, it's not their best work, but there's a lot of good stuff in it. And he had said to me, well, I think what this shows you is that pop music doesn't just have to be electric guitar, electric bass, drums, and maybe a keyboard. Mm -hmm. It shows you that pop music could literally be a harp and a violin, period. It could be anything. Yeah. And I think that's what they, you know, my wife was asking me, you know, what made them so different? I said, well, no one else was doing what they were doing. First of all, nobody else could write like that. Mm-hmm. Just for starters, nobody else wrote She's Leaving Home. So just stop right there. Just stop. The, 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 he wrote Like Irving Berlin. I mean, he wrote some yeah. beautiful stuff that no other pop groups, English or not, could write. I said, but also they were doing stuff that that nobody else, they were putting accordions in songs that pop groups weren't. Yeah. You know, when Yesterday yeah. came out, it was like, what is this? You got a, a string quartet and Eleanor Rigby. Dun, 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 dun. Nobody was doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the sounds you hear, the calliope sounds you hear on For the Benefit of Mr. Kite. No other group was doing that. The animals, the yard birds, I don't care who they are. Yeah. It was different. And, you know, and I told her, I said, and that's just the music. We haven't even gotten into no kids had long hair. Everybody looked like Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they come along and you go, what is this? Uh-huh, and what's uh-huh. with the, the love beads? And, and now the Sergeant Pepper thing, they were always ahead of everybody. Yeah. And, you know, Brian Wilson, who, you know, when he heard Sergeant Pepper, he said, oh, man, I better up my game. And, you know, wrote Pet Sounds, which is a good album, but mm-hmm. it's hard to try to follow somebody and be like they are. So you better yep. off just being yourself. Can I uh, can I take you back a little bit here to to you and Bonnie Bianco? Uh, oh my and the god! Song titled "In the City," uh, which was a oh really fun pop tune. I, I would love if, if you had, if you gave us the story behind that. Well, I, who's going to see this? First of all, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the story behind it. There's only you know I've got to behave myself in, in nineteen. 19- 85, uh-huh. uh, actually 1984, uh, I tried out for a national fast pitch softball team Okay. to, to play in the Maccabea games in Israel. Wow. And one of the tryouts was in Culver City, California. Another was in Chicago. Another was in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I think 170 guys who play fast pitch tried out. 15 of us made the team, this national team. I was one of them. And so I'm getting ready to go play in the Maccabea games in Israel and fast pitch softball, which Chicago's got quite a history of that wow. too. The same time back in LA, I get cast to be in a movie called Molly O, which was actually a, uh, 
it was a made-for-television Italian series almost. Mm-hmm. And you're right. And starring some gal named Bonnie Bianco. Uh-huh. Her real name was like Bonnie Lewis or something from Hollywood. They brought her over to Italy and she became kind of a pop star there. Mm-hmm. So we finished playing in the games, we got lucky enough. We win the gold medal. We beat Canada for the gold medal. I'm wow. beyond like, this is Walter Mitty time for me. Yeah. And I'm just sorry that my stepdad's not alive to see it. Cause he taught me how to play baseball. Yeah. So you know, it was like, Oh, this is wow. We got, I'm wearing an American flag. I'm hearing the anthem. This is, this is as close <laughs> as I'm ever going to get to, you know, the big leagues. So I fly from Israel to Italy to go do this movie. Uh-huh. And I get there and the two guys who've done all the music said, Oh, good to see you, Stephen. We're going to go into the studio and, and, and make the album. It started tomorrow. I said, what? Oh, yeah, we started We started recording tomorrow. I said, I don't know any of the music. Oh, no, we gave you the music. And I said, no, you didn't. I don't have any of the music. <laughs> well, you, you'll, you'll, you'll learn it. We'll, we'll do it tomorrow. So we literally went in the studio with no prep time, and the guy kind of played it for me. And they were all these, that's one of the songs. It, they're right. kind of Euro, Euro, Euro techno pop tunes. In the city, and it's like it was fun to do it. It was a fun experience, but it was crazy. And when I meet you in person, that's when I'll give you the other sides of the story. I asked you that to ask you this. Within the city and uh, and these are the times, uh, which came out in 1977. Um, by the way, which shows uh, uh, an underlying and, and even emerging swing style. You were recording as Steve March rather than Steve March Torme. Mm-hmm. Was it that you were interested in not riding your father's success and finding your own way musically? Do, do I have that right? Well, you know, when when my folks got divorced when I was about two and a half, uh-huh, I'm sure uh-huh. on my birth certificate, it says Stephen Michael Torme. Uh, but when when Hal became my stepfather, I really was brought up in that family. Right. And I, and I really became Steve March. That was my name. I mean, I never yeah. went by Steve March Torme. It was just Steve March. And it, yes, I think, you know, being honest, probably even subconsciously, I thought to myself, well, you know what? I don't, I don't really want to use the last name Torme. If, if mm-hmm. I'm worth my salt and I'm a good musician, I want to prove it on my own. Mm-hmm. And later on, when I got married to my, to my second wife and people knew that Mel was my father, I realized, you know what? You're, you're do, going out and you're doing a show called Torme Sings Torme. Your name can't be Steve March. Mm-hmm. And you really mm-hmm. should be paying homage to both of them. You know, okay. and then I realized that, and I've, I've used this line a billion times, if you are not very good at what you do, your last name ain't going to help you at all. Yeah. And yeah. if you are good at what you do, it's not going to matter what your last name is. So uh, I'm very proud of, of both my dad's careers. They accomplish so much more than most people that go into the business do. Uh, even Hal did. I mean, you know, 
that that game show and his his hosting was huge. He was in you mm-hmm. know, Neil mm-hmm. Simon's "Come Blow Your Horn" on Broadway. Mm-hmm. He wasn't just a guy who said. And our next question is actually was a pretty well-rounded vaudevillian hoofer and could sing, did yeah. music, man. And Mel's talent speaks for itself. I mean, he was one of the last, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. kind of guys, plays drums, plays piano, arranges, can write, can sing, can act. I finally got my name legally changed here in Wisconsin. That's a really good story. That's a really, I got to tell you the story. I know Please. I'm going off, Please. I'm going off script here, but this no, is, that's... So, and I'll keep it short. So I decided to, to finally change my name legally to Steve March Torme. I'm living mm-hmm. here in mm-hmm. Appleton, actually in Berlin at the time, small town. Mm-hmm. And we have to go to um, Green Lake, Wisconsin, where there's a judge to get the name legally changed. So my wife, myself, and my three-year-old daughter show up at the courthouse. There's nobody in there. It's just us. And it's just, an, it's just to get a hyphen and get a name change. And I don't know. It's like 100 bucks, whatever. And I walk in, and the judge sees us, and he says, uh, Mr. Torme, I see you don't have any legal counsel with you. I'm like, what? And I didn't want to be disrespectful and mm-hmm. get in trouble. I said, um, Your Honor, uh, no, I didn't think that would be necessary. to. When you come into my courtroom, you're expected to have legal counsel. And in my head, I'm thinking, you know what, schmuck? I don't think I need <laughs> legal counsel to have a hyphen in my last name. I, you go hire a lawyer to do this. It's not like it's a colon or a semicolon. Thank you. Right, exactly. <laughs> now that I understand, you got to come in with a team of barristers, but not for this. So, so anyway, he gives me this whole speech about, you know, I must say uh, I found in my, in my years that, you know, it's not good for the children when you have a hyphenated last name, there's confusion. And again, I'm thinking in my head, who asked you? I'm here for an afternoon to get my name changed. This is not a big deal. So anyway, my three-year-old starts running around the courtroom because she's three, but they're still doing any harm. Well, now he's really getting irritated. And if, you know, could you please the, the child? And well, by the time this whole thing is done, this guy's kind of raked us over the coals and made us feel really crappy about the fact that I didn't bring a lawyer. My child's running around. You shouldn't get the hyphen. So finally it ends. And he goes, well, I'm going to, against my better judgment, I'm going to sign this. And here you go. And we'll meet you over here where the clerk is. So I go to pay it. And now that we're out of the courtroom, he says to me, by the way, uh, you know, I understand you're quite a good singer, uh, you know, your father. So uh, anyway, just nice to meet you. And I feel like, you know what? Don't run into me in the streets. So <laughs> in any event, we finish this. We go outside to get in the car and my wife's in tears because it's just been a traumatic, yeah. what should have been easy. I mean, if I lived in Santa Monica, they just say, hey, send in a check, run a bucks, you're done. Mm-hmm. But this had to be a big deal. So we finish this and get the name changed. And the reason there's a story here is about a month later, at the uh, Walmart in Berlin, a SWAT team is called to Walmart and they surround the parking lot. There's a shooter there and he's there to kill this judge. Wow. Apparently it was, a, it was a guy who had been put away and got out and came back to get this guy. And the, the SWAT team caught this guy and it never happened, but the judge moved to Florida about a week later. Holy cow. So, yeah, so it's a yeah. crazy story. So, so what was, what was the, what was the, the face change through all this where, where he's, he's drilling you from the stand and then, and then he's complimenting you going out the door. It, it what was, was what he was doing all a show? Well, you know, it could have been, I, I thought he, my, my mother-in-law ran into him in the yeah. streets because he lived in Berlin. She ran into him about a week later and apparently read on the riot act and said, you know, how dare yeah. you? How dare you talk to my son-in-law? My, well, you're say so didn't bring a counsel in, blah blah blah. You know, since the time this happened, I think the guy was was out of line. But 
Who knows? Maybe he had a bad day at home. Maybe <laughs> something's going on with his kid. Who knows? All I know is he didn't have to make it an unpleasant experience for me to just get a name change and add tornado to my last name. Sounds ba- based upon the SWAT good- team, it sounds like he made a habit of, uh, of, of Who making knows? people. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe the guy that came after him wanted two last names added to his last name. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, I, I would be I would be remiss here. We, we, uh, we've only got just a, a few minutes, 10 minutes, maybe. I would really be remiss if I didn't if I didn't get your thoughts on swing. Um, in, in, in my view, it's an intrinsically American. It's fused in that musical furnace of blues, and jazz, and big band. And, and I'm thinking of your version of swinging at the Blue Moon Bar and Grill. Hey there, baby, it's your man calling with a stylish plan. We're going to the Blue Moon Bar and Grill. Come on, Dolly, don't say no. Tonight we're gonna go, go, go. Swinging at the Blue Moon Bar and Grill. Throw on your high heels. I'll swing by in my wheels. Tell your mama not to worry none. Girl, we're going dancing. Could be some romancing. And either way, we're gonna have some fun. I'll roll by about ten or five. Tonight we're gonna juke and jive, swinging at the Blue Moon Bar and Grill. Swinging at the Blue Moon Bar and Grill. Your dad does, by the by, by the way, does a does a wonderful, amazing, very different version. But what is it about swing that captivates you? Well, I think you just said it, you know, it is, first of all, it is in the American fabric and, you know, it does come out of New Orleans and Harlem yeah. uh, and Chicago and, you know, it's having a backbeat, you know, it's interesting. There, there are a couple of groups here. I, I mentioned this group steam that I have, and there's another mm-hmm. one that's a cover group here. And, and a buddy of mine who plays in both said, you know, the difference between us and the other group, he said, the other groups one and three, we're two and four. I said, you got that right. Uh, and I think swing, you know, someone asked David Crosby and I said, you know, I've heard, I've read some stuff in the press, but you don't like the doors. And Crosby said, no, I don't, I don't dig them. I don't, I don't dig Morrison. I don't dig the doors. Someone said, why? He says, cause they don't swing, man. They don't swing. And he wasn't really talking about swing music, but it was yeah. basically, you know, you can't teach swing. I don't think you can. You either, you either got it. You either hear that, you hear that backbeat and you're, yeah. you're here. Or you're not. And and yeah. dad had it. And, you know, people like Nat King Cole and Count yeah. Basie. I think it's feel-good music, but it really does come from, like I said, it comes out of Harlem. Yeah. And it comes yeah. out of New Orleans. And I think, and I could be really off base here, but I think it was a way, it's almost the the, the next generation of spiritual music. Yeah. That, that black people were singing to escape slavery. <laughs> And Cap- it Callaway and absolutely, and yeah, and, yeah. And they were communicating across the river in code yeah. so that they could get slaves out on that underground railroad. Yeah, and I think part yeah. of it was just it's just intrinsic. I don't know if you can explain it, and I could be very wrong about all that, but I, you know, I'm not making this up. I've, I've read I've read up on this too, and I don't think it's ever going to go away. I, I think swing music will always be here. I think people people that especially once they start to get into their 60s and 70s, yeah. they, they're not staying with what's you know what's on the radio. They're not listening to Mumford and Sons. Yeah. They they want to hear ba ba do ba do do do, but it makes them feel good. When and, 
when yeah. I when I was in Sarajevo during the siege, I, I, I met my wife there. We got married there, uh, two blocks from the front line. Um, wow. She was she so was. I'm not a, the only. I'm not the only person that did that. Okay. No, you're not. No. <laughs> Um, we, we passed each other. She, she was a, she was a professional dancer. That was, they, they were still, even though, even though they were, they were starving and we were running from, from snipers and shelling and blah, blah, but, but, you know, they were still rehearsing and, and man, I, I can tell you swing was big, 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 big. Um, it, it was it was amazing to watch by candlelight or 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 by soft light and uh, in these protected gymnasiums and it was it was astounding. There's a sincerity I think, and that comes that comes through very strongly in your music. Oh, Swing is not something you can fake; otherwise, it comes off as as a parody. I agree. It, it, it comes off cheesy. Yeah, and you can you know it either it's either um, organic or it's not and. You know, I've, I've been so lucky to play with so many good musicians who who can swing. And, and I've also been fortunate enough to meet some guys who played with dad. And the, the, the you know, the highest compliment I can possibly hear is your dad would be real proud of you. You know, I, hey, I did playing with you. I, I played with your dad in L.A. in 1960, whatever it is. And it was a real pleasure playing with you. And those guys, you're right. There, there's a sincerity to swing music. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you can kind of put out on a computer and program. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Uh, and as a matter of fact, when you try to program drums to swing music, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You can program R&B and you can program rock. and You can, you can do that. Yeah. But, you know, to do swing music, it's real. And yeah. you actually have to be able to play. It's dance music. I mean, yeah. it just is. I mean, yeah. you know, you're going to move your hips at the very least. Even if you're not up dancing, you hear swing music, you start to get that RCA Victor dog thing going. <laughs> uh, so so it, it really don't mean a thing unless you got that swing. Uh, that's the last song I do in the Torme Sings Torme thing. Uh-huh. And, and I, I intro it by saying, you know, um, there are a lot of things that Mel Torme was good at. Yeah, uh, uh, I said, but one of them you can't teach because he really could swing. Yeah. And then it starts thump, 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 and it, we're off and running. Uh, the people to acknowledge, um, I have a friend in, in Los Angeles who I've been working with now for playing for at least over twenty years, named uh-huh. Steve Rollins, and he's. Okay. If you look at you look at the albums, he did a lot of the arrangements, yeah. a lot of the arrangements, played piano, and he's a wonderful musician, a great traveling companion when we go on the road. Uh, we've known each other, like I said, 20 years. And it, at some point, even in five years, you're going to have an argument. I mean, mm-hmm. at some point, never 20 years, we've never ha- had even a, a tiff. I mean, we just, he's a great friend. I have a, a jazz player here, a piano player named Michael Kubicki, who's a, a world-class uh, jazz pianist. Mm-hmm. And he plays with me all the time. I mentioned Michael Underwood, a wonderful drummer, great guy, silly as hell. And, and was a uh, great player. What was, was Michael... What was that his idea, your idea to to channel Gene Krupa on uh on from Benny Goodman's Sing 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 um on uh, on on swinging on, on swinging swinging the blue number that was yeah. my idea. Yeah I thought I thought that'd be kind of a you know again a nice homage. It was it was it was such a beautiful, beautiful well thanks. That's very nice of you. Thanks. Uh let's uh let's talk about by the way, the, by the way, that was yeah. That was dad's drummer. Donnie Osborne, who played with my dad for a uh-huh. million years, 
I got him to come in and do that album, and he was the one that, that played that. So the, again, wow. that circle. Yeah. Wow, cool. wow, wow. You know, um, and I, I guess I get, I, I get to acknowledge this with, with you since we, we talked about about Sarajevo and Bosnia. My second trip to Bosnia, I, I had twenty five and had gone through the dating scene for years and years and years, and was just getting tired. I, I, you know that. You, you know when when you've gone through the dating scene too much where where you're just kind of going through the motions you've got your speech planned out and you're just waiting to hear hers ostensibly and uh, this this won't be for kids but uh, right, you, I get you. you're just trying to you're trying to get her home literally the eve before I was I was to leave for for Bosnia I had a mixtape with uh, with blue moon who was uh, from from your dad Wow, uh, and that trip, I met my wife, and and I've always that's always kind of hung with me through. We've been we just we just had our 26th anniversary. It, it, it's always it's always sort of sort of hung over me, and and literally, stayed. yeah, yeah. It, it was just such such a beautiful moment. There is there's a sweetness and a wholesomeness also to swing music that much like your Christmas song that that pervades that that genre yeah um, well there's a reason that the great american songbook is still around yes, uh, you know, yes. i'm sure a lot of kids today would hear that go that's the corniest stuff i've ever heard in my life but those lyrics that were written by the great songwriters uh of that era are great lyrics mm -hmm. and it's the you know it's easy to write you know, I, I, I'm going to see you tonight. It's going to be all right. That's easy. But the stuff they came up with, the Johnny Mercers and people like that, you know, Richard Rogers and, um, uh, uh, and Lorenz Hart wrote Blue Moon. No, it was Oscar Hammerstein and Richard Rogers. Yes. It's brilliant stuff. Yeah, yeah. You saw me standing alone without a dream in my heart. It's eternal. Of my own. And it is sentimental. It's, it, I don't care if it's corny. It is. It's, yeah, it's yeah. sentimental. Um, heart-rendering stuff and it, it you know it, may, it brings a tear to people's eyes you yeah. know they don't they'll sit there in a nightclub and say well I hope no one's seeing me I, I, I haven't seen my husband cry in the last 30 years yeah. it's beautiful music you saw me standing alone Without a dream in my heart Without a love of my own You knew just what I was there for You heard me saying a There's a reason that a guy like Rod Stewart decides well, I'm out of material. I'm going to do five albums you know, of the, the Great American Songbook. They're great songs. They're yeah. still here for a reason. Yeah. So I agree with you. Let's uh, let's end on this. Uh, you've got some dates coming up for for 2022. You've got some some dates coming up in in Wisconsin. I'm looking at the Roar West Museum on February 4th in Manitowoc. Then March 3rd in Green Bay. The 25th in in Oshkosh. I, I sure would love your your thoughts. On uh, on how this has affected you and and your touring and your performance and um, how how we get through it. Well, you know, we got lucky. We ended up doing mm -hmm. in December. We did ten concerts called for kids from one to ninety two. 
Uh-huh. Uh, it was myself, uh, Michael Bailey, the guy who suggested I change the uh, the title to my song, and Mark Wood, who is the uh, founding member of Trans Siberian Orchestra. And we did mm-hmm. we had ten concerts scheduled. They all came off, so we got very lucky that none of them were canceled. And yes, I have these dates coming up, and I've got eight more dates that I'm I'm trying to close on this week. And yeah. again, it, it's hour to hour here. I mean, they can call yeah. up and say, you know what? Yeah, just uh, people are too too squirrely. First of all. I'm not here to politicize and who cares what I think. Uh, But it seems to me that if people do get vaccinated and do get a booster at the very worst, this eventually will be, yeah, it's not going away. It's, it's, it's here. It's in the air. It's not leaving. But if you all get as immunized as possible, it really will be like the flu and you Mm -hmm, might get mm -hmm. kind of sick from it, but Mm -hmm. you'll get over it. And I think that's the only way to soldier through it. We, you know, yeah. human beings need contact. Obviously we yeah. can't just end up in pods. It's not going to work. People will just, people need, and people need to be at live theater events. My two daughters who I wrote that song about mm-hmm. are now 16 and 18. They're going to be in their school play. They got the, the two leads in their school play, their musical. So, you know, I'm going to be there crying like a, a fool uh, opening <laughs> night. Oh, I, yeah, I'll you're be a good a- dad. I'll be a basket. I'll never get through the first five minutes. But people do need to do that. They 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 yeah. do have a need to go see live music. Yep. And I really do think of people. If everybody says, well, "I'm not really like vaccinations," well, too bad. Get one, and and it's not that big a deal. I, I had mine. I don't go through any crazy after effects. Well, anyway. <laughs> so outside of that, I think people will soldier on, and there will be live shows. And yeah, if they yeah. just kind of be smart about it. I mean, yeah. if this were for polio or the measles. We, everyone would have gotten it, but that's a whole nother story for another time. On April 17th through the 24th, you're going to be doing a Paris to Normandy Chaz River cruise down the Seine. Yeah, that that's the hope. When the guy approached me about that, he said, hey, you know, I, I, an idea, you know, I work for this travel company here in Nina, Wisconsin. We're doing this this yeah. river cruise. Uh, I'm yeah. thinking about this Jazz River cruise. And, and are you interested? I said, sure, that, that sounds great. I don't want to go out in an ocean liner. I, I don't need to be with, you know, on the Disney cruise with 5,000 kids sneezing on me. <laughs> but a river cruise with 130 people, that sounds great. Uh, he said, well, what, what do I need to pay you to make you happy? I mean, what, you know, what do you mm-hmm, need for that? Mm-hmm. I said, well, here's my suggestion. Don't pay me anything. Don't pay me a dime for any of it. But I get to bring my wife and my two daughters. He said, you got oh, it. Oh, man. So he's, he, he's paying for the flights and the rooms. I perform for free and we're there. I mean, because how else am I going to get them over there to do this? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and that eastern stretch of the, of the Seine is just through Normandy. It's, it's going to be unbelievably gorgeous. It has to be. It's got to yeah, be breathtaking. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to go to uh, Versailles. We're going to go to Normandy, we're going to the beaches. We'll go into Paris. That's when I'll say, I, I don't know, guys, I can't seem to find my credit cards. Oh, well, maybe next time we come back. So, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm looking forward to it. Steve March Torme's latest single is I Remember Christmas Time. His website is stevemarchtorme.com. Stumped on which album to start with? Try So Far. It's a compilation of the very best of Steve March Torme's first three CDs. And are there still are there still uh, rooms available for the uh, for the pair? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think they've got. I think there may be a dozen cabins left. Uh, and by the way, if people who watch your podcast and, and watch what yep. you do and are listening, if you have suggestions for what, if you, if you end up hearing, I remember Christmas time mm-hmm. and you think of people that you think should record it, let me know, because I, I do want to get this covered. The person I have in mind wow. who I'm trying to get to is Vince Gill. Cause okay. I think he would kill this song. Yeah, um, absolutely. You got a gorgeous no, no, you kill it, man. Uh, oh, that's you, very nice. You sound great. 
But I, I appreciate that. I, and I would love to be, you know, ego wise, I'd love to have the hit record with it. But we know if it gets covered, then I got a real shot at it staying around for quite a while. So we'll, we'll see, see what happens. I'm, I'll start hitting people up in a few months. Right now, it's too early to say, hey, I've got this Christmas song. Are you interested? So maybe right around August when they've got some lead time, I'll start trying to you know, get somebody to record this. We'll see. We'll help get the word out. That's wonderful. They can find a link to uh, to the Paris cruise on your on your website. Also, uh, also all the all the Wisconsin dates for people who can't make it to Paris, go to Wisconsin. There you go. There you go. So it's a like cheap. A- the the airfare is not a lot cheaper, but a little bit cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or 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 the drive. Yep. And by the way, um, I need to get your email address so that I can send you the video that we did of I Remember Christmas Time. It's the one that we show behind the band when we're playing it on stage. And it's exactly what you talked about. It's a scrapbook. Oh, fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, you like it. Um, I, I really love this song. Thank you well, so thank much, you. Steve. It, it was, it's a, such a pleasure talking with you. And uh, um, please, please come back and, and visit us again. And, oh, uh, I would love to. On Route 66, it goes like this. On Route 66, oh, Hopping my 53. Come on and take this road with me. Come on and open this baby up. Oh, honey, I can't get enough. Shock do Plenty of road ahead. All my speed always pushing red. Come on, baby, and climb aboard. Let's open up this